Today's episode of The Lutheran Cartographer is brought to you by Audible. Get a free trial offer with a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash Lutheran Cartographer. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 21. Welcome to The Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. Today we are joined by Pastor Dustin Beck. He is the pastor of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. Pastor Beck, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Warda. Okay, so, um, well, I've been in Warda now for six months um, and just a couple of days. Uh, Prior to that, I served a congregation in Corpus Christi, Texas, down on the coast, Um, and I was there for a little over eight years. And uh, then before that, was in seminary in St. Louis, and uh, my wife and I spent our first year of marriage in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, That was all the way back in 2009-2010, and um, how far do you want me to go back? I can can tell you a little bit more if you'd like. Sure. Uh, Just... Kind of the idea with the introduction is to get give our listeners a sense of who you are and also some of the other places that you've lived so you can we can sure, understand when you start sure. comparing and contrasting different places like oh right, he, right, right. he grew up in Timbuktu so he <laughs> understands what it's like there compared to Warda that that kind of thing sure yeah yeah I gotcha um, so uh, like I said spent uh, some time in St Louis uh, one year in South Florida. Uh, which was just a shock to our system. Um, it, it was amazing. Um, before that, um, we were in Austin. Uh, my wife and I were dating at the time. Uh, we went to Concordia there uh, on the old campus before they moved out to the nice big campus. And uh, then before that, uh, I grew up in Wichita Falls, Texas, which is about as center east to west as you can get, and then as north as you can get. Don't want to say as north as you can get because you get up into that panhandle mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sort of middle east to west and then straight up towards the north. We're about 20 minutes from Oklahoma. That's where my my parents, my grandparents, everybody still lives up there. Uh, my wife's from Houston, um, from right at the, the 610 loop there. And so not any of the little towns outside of Houston, but actual Houstonian. And um, so we, we met at, uh, at the Texas District Youth Gathering uh, when we were in high school all the way back in 2002. Uh, and so she's from, you know, one of the biggest cities there is. I felt like I was from a small town growing up in a town, oh, you know, 100,000. Uh, but now we're in a town of well, maybe 100, depending on if you trust the census data. <laughs> I see. It's strange to hear you refer to 2002 as a while ago, but I suppose at this point it is. Yeah, yeah, it's way back. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. So help orient our listeners a bit. Where is Warda in terms of Texas, its relation to other cities? Okay. So um, when I first told people six months ago that we were moving to Warda, um, everyone's question is where on earth is that and um, so I started telling them it's between Giddings and LaGrange Texas Mm -hmm. Um, and then about half of everybody was like where on earth is that Um, and then I started telling people it's halfway between Austin and Houston and people kind of started nodding when I would say that Um, we're a little bit more familiar with where that is Um, but when you look at a map we're kind of right in the middle of Texas 
Um, uh, people have been asking me ever since we got here, you know, why on earth did you move to the middle of nowhere? Um, and I started correcting them and telling them, we moved to the middle of everywhere. Uh, you know, we're an hour and a half from Austin. We're an hour and a half from Houston. Uh, we're about three hours from, uh, from the Metroplex area, DFW, uh, about two hours from San Antonio, and then about three hours back down to Corpus Christi, where we still have a lot of friends. Um, and, you know, we're closer to grandparents here uh, for, our, for our kids. And, uh, you know, it's just it's been one of the best things we've ever done moving out to the country. Um, and, and so that's that's kind of where we are. Uh, we're in a, a very interesting part of the state, part of the country because of the history that's here. I'm sure we're going to get a chance to talk about that. But this is uh, a part of the country that is well known for the Windish heritage. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, have you heard of the winds? I have. A few weeks ago, we had uh, Pastor Scott Murray of Houston, oh, sure. of Memorial yeah, yeah. Lutheran in Houston. He was on and told us a little bit about the Wendish tradition and the Wendish Lutherans. But I would love to hear you elaborate on that some more in a little bit. But before sure. we get there, I want to back up and talk a little bit more before we dive into Warda specifically and what you like and what you don't like about Warda. I want to zoom out a little bit and talk about Texas. And that I want to ask you about when again when we had Pastor Murray on, he talked about how now after his all his time he really feels like a Texan and I want to <laughs> have you kind of help our listeners get our arms around that because Texas at least again correct me if I'm wrong again this is a Washingtonian speaking sure from my perspective Texas is its own thing it's not the southeast it's not the southwest it's Texas Help us understand what that is. If that's the case, tell us what that is and help us understand that a little bit better. I think we can accept Pastor Murray, even though I believe he's actually from Canada. It's true. But yes. I think he's been here long enough that we can consider him a Texan, at least to some degree. Now, um, so Texas is absolutely its its own thing. And you can, uh, you know, you don't have to ask a Texan if Texas is its own thing, because usually they'll come right out and tell you. Um, there, there's a lot of state pride, uh, built into being a Texan. Um, in fact, that was one of the things when my wife and I first got serious about each other, uh, was that she informed me that she is an eighth generation Texan, um, which you think about that, that goes back pretty far. That goes back to before the Texas, uh, Texas independence back in the 1830s. I mean, uh, some of the first settlers that were here were, uh, were from my wife's family. And, uh, you know, when she had me figure out just how far back my Texas roots go, and I'm a fifth generation Texan. She said I'm Texan enough for her. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, it's, uh, it's just one of those things where there's a lot of heritage. There's a lot, a lot of, um, I mean, we, we could think of it pride, maybe in a good light, you know, mm -hmm. that we, we appreciate where we come from. And I can't remember, somebody was uh, telling me about a book that they had read that says that, you know, just because of Texas's history, you know, once you're here, once you're a part of it, you do have that kind of independent streak that, that streak that, you know, the, the lone star, you know, there's 50 stars on the Texas, on the American flag, but, you know, we're the lone star, the ones that kind of stand by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how much of that is true or how much of that is, is inflated. Uh, but there is something about being in Texas. And um, I know a good deal, a good number of pastors that, you know, have said, you know, I'm, I've been a pastor in Texas. I don't know that I necessarily need to go to a different district of the LCMS. 
um, you know, for better or for worse. Um, but, you know, when we were in seminary um, and we were doing our placement interviews and everything like that, um, they asked us, how big of a deal is it that you go back to Texas for your first call? And um, uh, we we kind of chuckled a little bit. And then I think he underlined would like to go back to Texas uh, a couple of times there on the page. Um, we're blessed to be here. We're, we're, we're just tickled that this is the place that God has called us to serve. Um, you know, and the fact, you know, we were able to be in Corpus Christi, which is a fantastic city, just a, a wonderful place, population about 300,000. Um, and, and then now we've been called here. Uh, it's, it's just been, a, it's been a wild ride and it's been such a great place to be. You really see, um, you know, just, there's a friendliness to it. Um, that's probably in other parts of the country, but, um, I'm not curious enough to go try it out, I guess. <laughs> okay. Good deal. So elaborate just a little bit more about what culturally you think sets Texas apart. When we talked to uh, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, who's over in Austin right now, a few yeah. uh, a month or so ago on the show, and he talked about the entrepreneurial kind of get it done kind of spirit. How would yeah. you characterize, uh, as you contrast it with maybe Missourians or Floridians, how would you characterize Texas Texans as like a culture unique? You mentioned the friendliness already. What else would you kind of pull out? Yeah, um, well, I can I can bring that out probably the best. And this is this is not to say anything disparaging towards Missouri. I think you mentioned Florida. Anybody in any of those other places, uh, but our experience after Hurricane Harvey hit. You know, we were down in the coast at that time, and uh, just the way uh, that Texans kind of went out of their way to be neighborly. Um, you know, I mean, we had people that were taking in uh, folks whose houses had been blown away. We had. Uh, you know, one of the uh, one of the grocery stores down here is called HEB, and um, HEB like they mobilized mobile kitchens and mobile laundromats and mobile you know all kinds of stuff right to Rockport, Texas, which was kind of ground zero when Harvey hit. I mean, all of these these companies from around Texas they kind of take care of their own, if you know what I mean. It's just there was almost kind of a, a fighter's mentality. Um, whenever the hurricane hit that just said, you know, listen, we're going to show all these other folks how Texans do it. And, um, I mean, uh, it was just incredible to watch, uh, you know, cause we, where we were located when Harvey hit, um, we were kind of, we called it disaster adjacent. Um, we were about 30 minutes from ground zero where the eye hit and all the brunt of the wind and rain, um, you know, Houston further up the coast. Uh, was hit with a you know just a, a torrential amount of rain, um, five feet, ten feet, things like that, and um, you know their their response was different than ours, uh, but it was it was incredible to see the way that Texans helped Texans, um, and and you know just to reflect upon that now two and a half year a little over two years later um, is just incredible. Uh, I I I really I, I kind of run out of words when I start thinking about how how Texans uh, helped helped each other uh, during all of that. Not, that's not to say there weren't people from all over the country too, uh, but I think there's a there's kind of a, a, a get-or-done mentality that just goes out and, and takes care of what needs to be taken care of. I've, I've never seen a work ethic um, like I have since I moved to Warda. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, there's something about, um, you know, there, that Texas pride that says that we're uh, – we're not going to say, we're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. Good deal. 
All right. So you would would you would it be a fair summary to say that really what you saw during Hurricane Harvey really exemplified the best parts of Texas and the Texan spirit then? Uh, yeah, I, I think definitely. Um, that was uh, that's something that's going to forever change me. Um, it's just the way that people banded together and the way that people said, um, you know, this this matters. Um, we're going to rebuild this place. We're going to bring it back bigger and better than ever. Um, you know, and, and that's I think that that's quintessential Texas right there. Um, and you know, uh, stuff going on right now uh, in uh, in current events. Uh, nothing to think that any of that should uh, should be any different. You know, we've got folks that are um, banding together here in this small community to say, how can we help? How can we serve? Um, what's what's the best thing that we can do to to serve our neighbor and to love on them? So, nice. You know, it's a Great. it's a blessing. Absolutely. All right. So now let's zoom back in to Warda. What do you sure. like best about the area? Oh my goodness. Uh, I mean, I feel like I've, I've already hit on a couple of the topics. The people, mm-hmm. you know, the people are incredible. Uh, um, the people have just been, uh, they've, you know, opened their homes to us. They've opened their, um, really, they've, they've shared their souls with us in just the six months that we've been here. Uh, part of it being in this small community is that, uh, and this is honestly, this is uh, part of the history of the place, is that um, a lot of people, you know, their families have lived here since the 1850s. And, uh, you know, they all they all came over together on a boat in 1853. Um, and so there's a lot of really deep, deep roots. And that was one of our apprehensions about when we first moved here was, you know, we are not of that uh, of that um, those established families. We are we are outsiders and we will likely always be outsiders. But they have made us to feel anything but outsiders to the situation. Um They've been very generous. We've got folks that, uh, you know, it's it's all of the stuff, the good stuff that you hear about small, you know, uh, rural parishes from folks that, you know, people routinely, you know, uh, bring by, you know, meat for the freezer or routinely bring by vegetables from their garden or things like that. Um, so it's it, it's been incredible. We live uh, on uh, two acres in a parsonage that's well maintained by the congregation, by the trust. And... Uh, you know, we've got three sons. I should have mentioned that earlier. We've got three uh, three young sons, and they're able to be outside and riding their bikes. And we've got um, a half dozen chickens in the backyard, and so the boys are out there. And you know, they pick up eggs every day, so we have a half dozen eggs that come in just about every day. So we've got plenty for breakfast and all that kind of thing. We've got a little pond we fish in. Um, I mean, that we could probably fill up the rest of your show with stuff that's just awesome about living in the country. Um, and I know it's not that way for everybody. Um, some folks struggle in, in the, the rural parishes that they serve, but right here where we're at, you know, um, we are just, we're too blessed to, to have any, uh, uh, any real major ill will at all. Granted, we've only been here six months. There's probably a honeymoon phase to, to all of this, but the people are incredible. The church is supportive. Um, this church has actually partnered with five other area churches to start a Lutheran, uh, private Lutheran high school. Uh, in the last three years and so we're right here on the ground floor of that um it's, it's just amazing you know you you never hear of or i guess you rarely hear of you know places that have fewer than i mean there's not fifteen thousand people within 25 miles of here you know and uh and we've got a, a private lutheran high school that's getting off the ground and it's flourishing and it's growing year by year by year 
Um, and it's, it's just a, it's a unique little pocket of creation, uh, which is one of the reasons I think your podcast is so cool is to be able to highlight um, this little place that nobody would ever hear of otherwise. Yeah, that is really incredible. We'll have to talk more about that private Lutheran high school in just a moment. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. If you're listening to this podcast on the go, you already know the power of having audio in your ears. And Audible wants to put the books that you want to listen to there as well with their free 30-day trial offer that comes with a free audiobook. If you're not sure what book you should check out, this month I'm recommending that you check out Luther's Bondage to the Will. It's one of his great treatises and the one that he looked back on and said was one of the most important. So you can check that out at audibletrial.com slash Lutheran Cartographer. Let's get back to our guest. I do want to ask about the challenges of the area. What are some of the, the things that if somebody's thinking about moving to Warda, what, what should they be aware of in terms of maybe a cautionary sense? Yeah, so, um, I mean, one of the challenges to moving to this area is that there's, um, there's not a ton of real estate available. You know, I mean, most of the, most of the, it's, it's sparse. When I say, you know, that there's maybe 100 people that live in our little community, um, I'm probably overselling the size of the place. I mean, we have our church, of course, there is a small barbecue restaurant. Um, there is a post office that's about the size of a double-wide trailer house. Um, there is uh, a company that sells pipe fitting equipment for the oil field. Um, and I think there's one other company that sells like tractor supply type things. Um, other than that, you know, it's all farmland. Um, and most of that is owned by families, like I said, that have owned it for 170 years. Uh, and so those guys, um, you know, Usually the way that you get into that land is you have a family member who's in that land and, you know, they say, why don't you build a house over here, over there? And the land stays in the family. There are some people that have, have sold land. And I mean, I'm, I'm looking out the window right now. There is some land that is for sale right now, but, um, you know, your better bet, honestly, um, is if you're interested in living in this area is to live in Giddings or LaGrange. Um, those are each towns of about 4,500, 5,000 people. Um, so they're still, um, they're small. Um, they have kind of a downtown, you know, with a historic courthouse and a, a town square and things like that. Um, but here in Warda, we really have the, the benefit, I think, of being in between those places. Um, so, I mean, it's 10 minutes for us to go to the grocery store or the gas station. Um, but it's also, you know, that it, we're that much related from all of that. Um, so people actually moving to Warda, um, you got to really want to do that. Uh, we have uh, a good number of folks who will retire to this area, um, and they'll find you know um, a family farm that's for sale or things like that, and they'll move out there and you know get uh, a, a dozen or two dozen head of cattle, um, you know just little things like that, so that they can move away from it all. Um, but you know other than that. Uh, you know, you're, you're kind of hard pressed to say, I'm going to live here, but, you know, maybe commute into Austin. We do have some folks that do that in the congregation. Um, but as far as the, the challenges go, I mean, it, it took us some adjusting, uh, to get adjusted to the fact that, you know, if the, if the low fuel light comes on in your truck, you got to make sure that you've got enough gas to, you know, you can't just ride on that on empty for a couple of days or for, you know, a trip or two, you got to go and get gas right when that comes on, um, or take care of it when you're in town. And the other thing is, you know, if you, uh, 
if you forget something at the grocery store, um, you know, it's at least a half an hour between going and coming back and everything else to pick something up. And so maybe we had plans to, you know, cook something tonight and I forgot to pick up the, the cheese or whatever. Well, we'll switch to something else that we've kind of got, you know, waiting in the wings and, and uh, we'll do that other meal another night after we've picked up whatever it is that we needed. Um, so it's just, it's been little adjustments like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm really happy to hear you illustrate that stuff because I never would have imagined that in rural Texas, finding land is, or a place to, li- to live is a challenge, but it's really interesting to hear you say that. Well, you know, I mean, if, if the church wouldn't have had a parsonage, I mean, that would have been a real sticking point for us. Um, the parsonage is right across the street from the church, across the parking lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there wouldn't have been a parsonage, you know, I mean, we would have uh, sold our house in Corpus Christi and then find a house 15 minutes away, mm. you know, which would have been a huge, um, a huge drawback to us because we want to be in the community of the church. We want to, you know, feel like, you know, people feel like they can come and, you know, we've, we've had elders over to our house. We've had an open house for members, um, I don't feel like we'd be able to do that as effectively if we lived 10 or 15 miles away. That makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, just on a on a kind of a, I guess it's a related note, one of the other challenges uh, that I've had as a pastor here is, um, you know, getting to know the folks. So many of them are related to each other, you know, that uh, you find out that so-and-so is, you know, related by marriage to so-and-so. Uh, or, you know, this family um, has this family in common. Um, and so finding out, you know, for a pastor, one of the first things that you try to do when you get to a new place um, is you try to learn names, right? Um, and then you learn relationships. Uh, and here, that has just been, I don't want to say a nightmare, because the people are very gracious and, you know, they, they understand that there's a learning curve to it. Uh, but, you know, it's been tough. And then beyond that is learning your way around, uh, learning, you know, uh, which family lived down which particular road or, you know, because they'll, they'll have, you know, kind of the head of the family. And then, you know, another half mile down that road will be, you know, their oldest, you know, oldest child and their family. And then, you know, further down. I mean, it's, it's really surreal if you grew up in a city uh, to adjust to this kind of a thing. And so I'm learning my way around. I'm starting to learn some of the relationships um, and then, you know, learning names, uh, that's actually come pretty easy, uh, over the last six months, but we're, we're getting comfortable here. And, uh, a lot of that learning curve type stuff, uh, is, is starting to flatten out, uh, as we get familiar with being here. Uh, but it's a, it's a different, uh, different way of doing things than living in a big, uh, kind of anonymous city where you don't have to know all the folks. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, kind of on that note, Let's talk more about what it's like to raise a family there. You've already mentioned how it's great that your kids can, your boys can just go out and not really have to worry about it. What else would you highlight to our listeners in terms of raising a family there? Yes, yeah, so this is um, this is a very Lutheran uh, place. Like um, you know, a lot of places uh, like that I've lived before, not St. Louis, but I mean, when we were in Florida, when we were in Corpus Christi. Uh, even growing up in Wichita Falls, um, people didn't really know what Lutherans were like. You know, our, our Baptist friends 
friends thought that we were Catholics and our Catholic friends thought that we were Baptists, you know, and, and there wasn't really a, a good understanding of what exactly. <laughs> the lonely way, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. Nobody quite knew what a Lutheran was, um, but you come here to, to Fayette County, Texas, or to Lee County, Texas, which is north of us where Giddings is, you come to these places and, you know, most of the people here are Lutheran which is just wild and crazy. You know, uh, when we lived in Corpus Christi, uh, we sent our kids to private Catholic school. Um, here we had a choice between two different private Lutheran uh, elementary schools uh, for our boys. And so we were able to, you know, send them to Lutheran schools. They're, you know, coming home, you know, in first and third grade, and they're already reciting the commandments and, uh, you know, the meanings to the, uh, the, the creed and things like that. Incredible. Um, and so that's been just a tremendous blessing. And we, uh, believe it or not, you know, moving into uh, this congregation, uh, you, everything seems, you know, kind of uh, counterintuitive. You would think that being in a city, you'd have more young families, you'd have, you know, uh, more of that kind of thing. But uh, the truth is, uh, the place that we were, um, there just weren't as many Lutherans. And, and so that meant, you know, there were smaller population pools to deal with, period. Um, and so here, you know, there's a lot of young families who are Lutheran. And so our kids have, uh, you know, uh, Sunday school classes that are bigger. And, you know, when we uh, when we do children's messages in church, you know, we have 25 kids that come up and it's just it's it's kind of overwhelming, uh, but in, in the best possible way. Uh, so it's it's been good for that reason. Uh, my wife has a lot more friends uh, within the church and, and she's she's very, uh, very social, very gregarious and uh, um, gregarious, whatever the word is, talkative, and uh, and just a people person. She, she finds people anywhere and everywhere. Uh, but now, you know, it's been really great that it's, you know, she's not just going to, uh, you know, the local Baptist Bible study. There wasn't a, a ton wrong with that, you know, in Corpus. But, you know, she actually probably made them more Lutheran than they did her Baptist. But her being here is, you know, giving her opportunities to be around uh, you know, folks like that. And I've, I've got the same opportunities as a pastor um, just to be around other, you know, and that's not to say there weren't other Lu good Lutheran pastors in Corpus Christi, but now being here, uh, you know, you're a little bit more immersed um, in a Lutheran identity um, and in the, you know, the history of the place. I see. So, yeah, so it's all good. Let's talk about that history. So we've already alluded to it before. Uh, now's usually the time that I ask, well, what is it like to be Lutheran there? And you've already kind of tied that in already. Would, would you mind taking a little bit of time to digress on the Windish story? My wife got the job uh, at the Windish Heritage Museum, but I don't think that either one of us uh, have any Windish, uh, uh, you know, uh, pedigree or anything like that. Um, although we're still looking, and the um, the museum is actually about eight miles from here in a town called Serbin, Texas, S-E-R-B-I-N. Um, and this, the museum there has been around for about the last 50 years, um, and it's really a place that is dedicated to the genealogy of uh, all of these people that came over from um, Upper Lusatia, uh, which is in kind of southeast Germany, um, near Czechoslovakia. Um, the Wens were, um, I mean, they were an interesting group of people, um, and a lot of this was going on around the same time that the Missouri Synod was first formed. Um, we had uh, the, the largest uh, migration of, of the Wens came in 1853, uh, and that's the group that, that came here to Lee County. Uh, they, they founded the, the town of, uh, of Serban, 
and the church there, St. Paul Lutheran. There's some argument as to whether it's the oldest Lutheran church in Texas or the oldest church uh, to join the Missouri Synod. I think they're the oldest Lutheran church, but I think uh, Salem and Tomball, uh, Texas, actually joined the Missouri Synod uh, just a couple of years before. Uh, but that's going back, I mean, uh, that's going back to, I think, the 1860s, something like that. Um, I know that our congregation was founded in 1873, uh, so we're in the preparations right now for our uh, 150th anniversary in 2023. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. You know, when I got the call here, I had a friend, um, you know, I, I told him that I was leaning towards accepting the call, and I was, you know, um, I was formulating my words uh, for the acceptance and everything, and he said, you know, you're you're going to be a part of, uh, of a legacy there because, you know, that place has been around since just after the Civil War. I mean, it's, uh, the, the church has some history. And I said, wow, you know, it's, that, uh, that makes it seem like a, a, that much bigger of an endeavor, you know. Um, and he said, well, you know, don't, don't get too, uh, too bogged down in that. Just be a good pastor there. And I said, okay, well, I, I, can, I can try to do that. Um, but, yeah, so the, uh, the interesting history of, of the winds in this area was that they really wanted to hang on to uh, a couple of things. They wanted to hang on, obviously, to their religion. Um, uh, this was all, if you know anything about the history of, of the Missouri Senate and everything, um, this was all uh, during the time of the Prussian Union, um, when the Prussians, we refer to them around here, at least my wife and I do, as the, the mean Germans, um, they came in and forced the Lutherans um, to worship alongside the Reformed. Um, and, you know, they said, well, uh, it, it was almost kind of a, you know, if you like your pastor, you can keep your pastor kind of a a farce where they they took reformed pastors and to put them over Lutheran congregations and vice versa, and nobody was happy about it. And so you had a lot of uh, immigration taking place. That was why Walther and and that group came over. That's why the Wends came over as well. So they wanted to keep their Lutheran religion uh, and they wanted to keep their language as well and their their culture. And so there's a lot of uh, those cultural things that have, have stood by. Um, and there's a handful of people that still speak the Wendish language, um, which is, it sounds Czech to me. I don't know Czech, but it just kind of has that Eastern European sound to it more so than a German. Uh, but you can hear a little bit of the German in it as well. Um, and then there's a lot of folks here that still speak German. You know, our older members grew up talking, uh, speaking German with their parents and grandparents and everything. So that's cool. Yeah, that it that is cool. Yeah, it's it's so neat. Uh, it's on my my to do list to learn uh, a little bit of German so that I can still converse in it with a couple of our older members. But um, one of the things about the history uh, that you know we've kind of come to find out is that um, it's hard to keep a group of Germans in one place uh, because you know you you live in a place for a while and ultimately some disagreements about how to move forward uh, you know crop up. And so the original, the winds that made it into Lee County, into Serban, um, they disagreed with, uh, there was a group of Germans that had come in, uh, and the Germans established a school, and the winds had a church, and at one point, the, you know, there was, you know, will we teach the kids Windish and German and this newfangled English? 
um, or what. And so the church wanted to keep everything in Wendish. The school wanted to do German and English. And, and so there wound up being a, a disruption, uh, kind of a dispute. And that was on it. That was actually how our congregation and a few others got established was they said, well, we're just going to take our group and go form a new congregation. Congregation, uh, we've all you know kissed and made up, and everything's good again. But um, nevertheless, our congregation uh, was founded in 1873, um, and we were founded, you know, just uh, like a stone's throw away, like just a couple of miles from Serban. Um, Walther was good friends with Jan Killian, who was the pastor in Serban, and so they, uh, uh, our church, Holy Cross, had reached out about joining the Missouri Synod, and. Um, Walther kind of took Killian's side in the argument and said, no, we don't think it's right for you to, to, to split off. You should go back and be reconciled to your brother. Um, but then um, another congregation split off, and I think uh, Walther kind of saw that the writing was on the wall, that Serban was not going to be this, you know, windish little community forever, and that it was people were starting to spread out. And uh, so eventually we were able to join the Missouri Synod, but they said, you probably need to move a little bit further than two and a half, three miles away. And so now we're about eight miles away. And uh, this little community uh, on a little creek here, Rabs Creek, um, was established and they called it Warda. So that's kind of how we came to be where we are. Uh, there's a handful of other little communities around here. Um, uh, you, you know, that um, if you zoom in really close on Google Maps, you can see other places like uh, Winchester and Fedor and Lexington and Carmine and all these different towns. Uh, but they all kind of formed from uh, from that little first enclave there called Serban, which is still there. And I should mention has uh, fewer businesses than the big town of Warda. Um, they've got pretty much the church and the museum and uh, the church cemetery. And I think that's about it. <laughs> I see. All right. Thank you so much for sharing some of that history with me, that with us. That's really fascinating. All right. So now that we talked about the history, the good and the bad, let's talk a little bit about what, if people are in the area, what they should check out. Oh, well, of course, you have to check out the Texas Windish Heritage Museum in Serban. Uh, you want to see that. It's, and I'm not just giving that plug because my wife is the executive director. Uh, but they're open Tuesdays through Saturdays from 1 to 5, at least when we're not quarantined by the coronavirus they are. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, man, that's that's probably the best thing to check out around here. We've got some great state parks in the area, Busher State Park and Bastrop State Park, uh, great places for hiking and camping and uh, and, and fishing and things like that. Uh, but I got to tell you, I mean, this is this place is on the way to everywhere, um, but there's not a lot to slow down and see. You can obviously obviously stop by and visit the church anytime you want. Um, if I'm not a the street at the parsonage i'd love to love to meet some travelers and that kind of a deal um again probably once all of this uh this virus stuff uh, blows over but um beyond that i mean it's uh, you can stop in at uh at the, the barbecue place it's called cuisine as in barbecue zine and uh, they got some great food but other than that i mean warda is really something that you know if you blink you'll miss it um, but that's part of the charm of it is just that um, you don't come here, you know, by accident. You actually have to stop here if you want to stop here. Um, other than that, you know, you probably won't even see the sign on the side of Highway 77 that says to slow down to 55 miles per hour for uh, for the mile and a half that is Warden. 
All right. Well, that's that's us, man. <laughs> Good deal. All right. So as we start closing out the podcast, I want to ask you about what your both general and pastoral advice would be to those that are maybe considering a job offer to uh, either the Warda area or maybe rural America in general. Yeah, I think the the best advice that I could get is uh, give is to uh, get plugged into your local uh, Lutheran church. You know, get get plugged into uh, a good Lutheran church in the area. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because you know uh, there were a good number of small congregations um, where we lived previously, but here. You know, you've got your you've got your choice between a number of good sized Missouri Synod churches, um, and as weird as it is to say this, we've got folks that drive an hour to come to this church um, because I mean they they live in or around Austin, um, and this church has been their family's church for generations or, or things like that, um, or they just you know this is this is a special place for them. Uh, my advice to folks that are you know have a job offer to rural America or you know, if you wind up somewhere in the Austin-Houston area and you're on the east side of Austin or the west side of Houston, by all means, come and try out a few of these country churches because what you'll find is, you know, you'll find people that um, they experience it like I experience it since we've been here, which is to say that the church is the heart of the community. Um, I can't tell you, you know, how, how, how many times I'll look out the window at the parsonage and there'll be a dozen cars outside at the church. And, you know, the first couple of months that we lived here, I'd turn to my wife and say, you know, sweetie, is, you know, do you remember me telling you about a meeting at church that I needed to be? You know, no, I, I, I don't, you know, come to find out it was the church's bunco group, you know, or it was the church, you know, they, um, they had an impromptu meeting of the outreach committee. They, they had somebody had an idea and made a phone call and got everybody together, you know, but it's just uh, we've got a picnic grounds uh, back behind the church that has, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with barbecue up there, you know, smoking meat uh, to eat I, later. I have heard of uh, such strange know. things. <laughs> You've heard of it? Yeah. I mean, our church has a church picnic um, Labor Day weekend every year in which we we smoke 4,000 pounds of meat. Um, and we sell it to people in the community. They come up here. We, we have a live auction that takes place with real live fast-talking auctioneers. Um, you know, just about every weekend, uh, whenever the you know we're not under a coronavirus um, ban and everything, just about every weekend there's a family reunion or there's a family picnic where you'll see a hundred people. You'll see three. 100 people at times. Um, you know, the kids of the community come together at our picnic grounds and at the playground. Um, just the fact that, you know, this is, I mean, the, this is the voting place for our precinct. Like, the fact that the church exists as the heartbeat of the community and nothing happens in Warda, Texas that's not at the church. Um, it's been such an inspiring and such a, a life changing thing for me to see and to be a part of. Um, I'm, I'm just beside myself with gratitude. And I think that other people, uh, would experience it in the same way. And, you know, we've, we've got some, we've got members who have family farms here. They still, they live up in the DFW area and they've got family farms that have been in their family for 150 years. They'll come down here just on the weekends, uh, to be with their family here in Warda and you know, just the people in their church, uh, because it's made that much of an impact on their lives. And I think that's not unique. I think that small town America and even no town America, like we're in here, um, 
there, it really has something to offer uh, to the community that has forgotten how to slow down, um, how to be away from the distractions of everyday life, um, and to just take a moment to, to be with people that are, that are fantastic and wonderful. That is really wonderful. All right. So before we say goodbye, I want to give you the opportunity to point our listeners to what you'd like, places to follow you online, your church's website. What would you like to point our listeners towards? Yeah, so um, our Facebook page is probably the uh, the most active place uh, that we have any kind of a presence. Um, that's just facebook.com slash Holy Cross Warda. Um, or you can look up Holy Cross Warda on YouTube. Uh, we put up all of our sermons uh, and the scripture lessons. And uh, with the quarantine that's going on right now, we've got a lot more content that it's going to be going up for folks uh, just to kind of um, show people, uh, you know, what our congregation is about. And, um, you know, I could probably uh, I could probably do a, a post here in the near future to remind folks of, uh, of the picnic days and some of the better days that we've had, because um, I think people need some encouraging right now. But I would encourage everybody to look there uh, for uh, just a little bit better insight into what we're all about here at Holy Cross. Fantastic. I should mention we are recording this on the 21st of March. So hopefully by the time you hear this, dear listener, things will have changed for the much better, but we'll, we will see what happens. And you can go ahead and go to lutherancartographer.com slash 21 for all of those things that Pastor Beck just mentioned. You'll find them all linked there. Pastor Beck, thank you so much for your time today. God's peace. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. God bless you as well. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. As I just mentioned, if you want to check out all those neat things that Pastor Beck told us about today, go ahead and go to the show notes page. That's at lutherancartographer.com slash 21. I want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. You can do that on iTunes or on Stitcher. While you're there, if you'd leave me a rating and a review, that's very helpful to me. Really appreciate that. And last, before you go, want to encourage you to check out that Audible offer if you'd like. And you do get to keep the book even if you decide not to go forward with their service. That's at audibletrial.com slash Lutheran Cartographer. Thanks again for listening. I'm Nicholas Weber. I'll talk to you soon.